0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. On this week's episode of Damsels in the DMs.
1: Like, you know, I remember when back in the day when auditions were in person a little bit more and you had to be in LA and I always felt bad to leave, like to go on vacation. And there was just some point that I was like, you need to live your life. That's how you're going to become a better actor and just a more full person is by experiencing the world and there's gotta be some some type of balance. You can't always be worried that you're not waiting for the opportunities or, you know, like there for the opportunities. Things will come and it will be okay, you know? please tell us what's the vibe dms dms yeah we see them yeah we read them dms dms we don't need them we just leave them
2: please yeah
0: it's going down in the dms bye welcome to another episode of damsels in the dms i'm lauren and i'm osh And and she's in paris i'm in paris oh my god i can't believe you
2: actually made it there I didn't think this was going to happen based on just everything that was going on leading up to this moment, but we are here in our new apartment, and it is sunny outside, and I'm loving it.
0: Speaking of Paris, never forget, I do have one French line, Ash, and it's, Avez-vous une réservation pour quatre personnes? Yes. Right? Perfect French. Anyway, today we are talking to Nikki Suhu, who is one of the we Audition ones to watch, who I met at Cannes. and the problem was that I believe she was going to film a show in Kentucky the day that we were recording the longer interviews with all of the we audition ones to watch. So she couldn't be a part of those like special bonus episodes that we did, which was such a bummer. But that was why we were like, "Nikki, you're fabulous. We need to have you back. Please come talk to us." So we were finally able to pin her down and talk to her and I learned so much from her and her journey. She's had really a wonderful career. And now she's about to take on another part of her life and take on the different hat, which I'm so excited for her for.
2: I really enjoyed talking to her because she gave us all the deets of her life and her journey as an actress starting at like what, 16? Crazy. 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 And now she's, yeah, like you said, in a different, complete different phase of her life. And it was cool for her to connect those two pieces and still keep doing what she loves to do, which is act.
0: I know. Well, and act while she's about to enter this new phase of her life. Like I just think that's such a good lesson in going with the flow.
2: Agreed. Agreed. And it was really nice that you two bonded over being type A personalities. I know.
0: I'm like faux type A. Some things are type A, some things aren't.
2: I'm I'm an A B.
0: Yeah. I actually feel like our personalities, Osh, like we are very complimentary. Yeah. Like in some ways you're type A and I'm not like you're more detail oriented, but I'm more like scheduling oriented and like planning on business things. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into talking with Nikki. Let's do it. All right, so we are here with Nikki Suhu, who I actually met at Cannes as part of the We Audition Wants to Watch, but we didn't get to do our full interview there. So I'm so excited that we have you on for a full episode, Nikki. Thank you you so
1: much for making time to still meet with me. I was so sad that I had to leave um, early, but I'm glad I got to meet you.
0: (laughs) Yes. So tell us like about your experience at Cannes since we didn't get to ask you while we were there and what it felt like being one of the We Audition ones to watch. I mean,
1: it was honestly such a dream experience. I have never been to Cannes before. Um, The city, let alone the event, you know. Um, And so to get to go with such an amazing group of people and then like have the expertise behind them, you know, they've been so many times the founders of We Audition, um, that they like curated our experience to just be one that was gonna be so smooth and so easy. You know, they told us where to go, who to meet, you know, what to see, how to do it. It's it's hard to navigate a film festival, you know, especially in another country, knowing where to go and how to get there and and just having them help that whole process just made the experience that much more enjoyable because you just got to be present you didn't have to worry about logistics really they took care of all of that and you just got to experience it I (laughs) we tried so hard to get into screenings and I don't know if it was this year in particular or what but they said it's never been like that where I mean we were on the website you know (laughs) the minute turned and we'd click like get tickets and they'd be sold out and you're like what else can I do I don't know how you know so even though uh we didn't really see any films that were playing through the festival we did get to see some offshoot films that um you know people in the area were presenting their documentaries and we we got to go to some really cool events meet some really cool people that way as well but at the end of the day, it, it was mainly about getting to meet the people and the creators of their projects. Because a lot of these projects you'll be able to see after yep. the fact, you know. Definitely. Um, but yeah, it was it was an awesome experience, nonstop. <laughs> there, I was like, do these people eat or sleep? They <laughs> seem to be doing something at every hour of every part of the day.
0: Yeah, no, I was joking with Osh that trying to get into the screenings was literally like trying to get a weekend one Coachella ticket like it was so crazy. I saw one movie, and it was in Catalan with French subtitles. So I didn't even understand anything. Yeah. Well, we did get tickets to like a short film and we were so
1: excited. And we had uh, booked an Uber to take us there. And somehow this Uber just took us on a wild ride, and what was supposed to be a 20-minute ride turned into an hour ride, and we missed the screen because it was a short. So uh, we got to the theater that was quite far from the, you know, the main area. We're like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> you know, but it was still, it was part of the France experience, I guess.
2: <laughs> I wonder why it took you an hour and not 20 minutes. Did the driver
1: say something? He was saying that the roads were closed and that he couldn't go that way. We didn't necessarily see that the roads were closed. So it could have been, you know, one of those, like, I'm going to get these tourists. They don't know where they're going. And I'm going to be able to get a higher rate because I'm going Oh, for
2: sure. Way.
1: But luckily there was like five of us. So there's a good amount. Like, I was like, I think we could take him. You
2: know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) So Nikki, for our listeners, can you just tell us where you're from, a little bit about you, what you do, where you're located, and yeah, just a bit about your journey into being an actor. Sure. So
1: I'm originally from Orange County, California. Um, I went to an arts high school uh, growing up, and I was actually a dancer first. Um, I didn't know that I wanted to be an actor, but kind of fell into it as, you know, like one of those things where my, you know, somebody was like, oh, you should try this. And I was like, okay, try it, you know. And my parents were just always very open to me trying whatever I wanted to try, basketball, soccer, you know, dance, golf, whatever. And they were like, sure, if you want to try it, you try it. And so um I got into it and kind of got Pretty lucky, I guess, in the beginning parts of my career and was able to get representation relatively quickly. Ended up booking movies like Stick It and Bring It On and The Lovely Bones, like relatively pretty early on in my career. And then I ended up going to UCLA up in LA. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I majored in world arts and cultures with an emphasis in dance still again. I never really like wanted to be a professional dancer, but I I just loved that outlet of expression. And I loved being able to act professionally and dance for fun. And after college, I just ended up staying in the LA area. I now live in Manhattan Beach. So Mm. I've always kind of stayed on on the west side of of California. But it's, it's awesome and it's amazing. I got my master's in business after college. Um, Wow! after that, I I really love school. (laughs) After that, I was like, okay, I think that's enough. You don't really need that much more school. (laughs) You're an actor, you know, well, not school in that way. But
0: what made you want to go back for your master's?
1: Okay, so this is actually a pretty interesting story. After I graduated college, that was kind of the thing that my parents were like, once you graduate college, you can do whatever you want with your life. Mm. And I was like, okay, well, what should I do? I wasn't quite sure. And my parents were like, well, you know, you've been acting since you were 16. And like, why don't you try just acting full time? Like, you know, you don't have to do like, like, why do you have to go into a different profession? Like, you've already been doing this. And I was like, but that sounds so scary and like, reliable and unpredictable. Like, I don't know. (laughs) hear that and they're like, "Well, I think this could be a great time for you to try." And this that then was the first time I ever did acting 100% full like that's where all my energy and effort and focus went uh without having school on the side because I went to a regular high school, you know, like a regular arts high school and then acted. I went to regular college and then acted. And so now it was like just acting. And I I did it for one year and literally tried to go about it the same way that I went about school, which was like, okay, I, you know, I'm gonna put myself in all the things I think I should. I'm gonna take a commercial class. I'm gonna take a voice class. I'm gonna take a dance <laughs> class. I'm gonna take a movement class. I'm gonna take a combat class. I'm gonna, you know, like I just did all the things to just be as prepared as possible and work up those skills. But I, I think in in general, I also put so much pressure on myself to be successful in the way that I thought it meant to be successful Mm -hmm. because that's all I had at that point. You know, like when I was acting and doing school, there was always something that made me feel like I was moving forward in life because you get good grades. You move to the next grade. You, you move to the next grade. You finally graduate. Then you graduate, you go to college and, and you do the same steps over and over again, but you always feel like you're moving forward in life. But in acting, I found that it was different. Like, I could put in 110% effort towards what I thought I needed to do and be. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get the job. Mm. And I was correlating getting the high paying jobs to my success as an actor. And it was actually quite depressing because I was like, how am I trying my hardest at this one thing and failing? I've never failed in my life, really, you know? I kept moving up, you know, I kept like graduating and doing stuff. And it was very dysregulating for me. And so I was like, you know what? I think I need to put myself back into structure so I can Mm. kind of feel grounded again. Mm. And so going to going back to school was what kind of made me feel safe. I was like, I can continue to act. I did a part time program. So I only went to school at night so I could act during the day. And then I could still feel like I was progressing forward because, of course, I'd end up graduating. Then I'd have a master's in business. Yeah. And so I did that. And along the way, I met a mentor um, or they like hook you up with a mentor. And she happened to be a life coach. Like, you know, sometimes you can get mentors and they're like CEOs of companies or they work in finance or they're the CFO or the. COO, you know, but she happened to be essentially the CEO of a life coaching business of her own. And so her sessions with me were always just life coaching sessions, not like, this is how you make a business plan. And this, you know, and um, she actually ended up helping me view acting differently, because I think the way that I had seen it was that I had no control over my life, and my outcome. And it scared me, because I was like, I can't do this as my living forever, if I want to get married and have a family and be able to support, you know, my my adulthood life. Yeah. Um, If, if I can't, if I try my hardest, and it doesn't mean I'm going to get the jobs that I want to get. Um, And so she kind of coached me through that, and ended up helping me put less pressure on myself about booking the jobs and seeing it, uh, more, you know, just like enjoying the journey of being an actor. And as they say, you know, like the industry can smell desperation. And so she helped me kind of create a life for myself where acting was not what I was relying on for my definition of success, essentially. And then once I kind of embraced being an actor and I was like, wait a second, you're right. Because she was like, why do you want to find some other job when you seemingly have a pretty good life? You know, like when I tell her about my day to day and how happy it makes me, I'll be like, oh, you know, I wake up, I I go to yoga, then I might go to the farmer's market, then I'll do some... Then I'll, you know, do some auditions, and then I get to take my dog to the park, or, you know, like whatever. She's like, "Sounds like a pretty good life." And you've been able to support yourself, and you've been able to live the life that is very free that a lot of people want to have. You just think that you're doing it wrong, you know. And I was like, "Hmm, <laughs> Wait, you're right. Maybe this is okay." And I happen to like also be surrounding myself with a lot of people at the time uh, who were in entertainment because I think, you know, graduating from UCLA, almost everybody goes into a job, you know, like they get a job and then they do that job and they make a lot of money doing that job. But I found that when I then surrounded myself with, surrounded myself with um, more entertainment people or people that were essentially doing contractor like jobs like like what I was essentially doing they found ways to not be so dependent on one source of income and they learned to you know have those multiple streams and to do this and to be open to doing that and not needing to just be this or just be that you know they're like no you just be all the things that you like to be and then that's a good life (laughs) and I was like oh, wait, I can do that. I didn't know that that was a thing, you know, like I thought I had to pick a thing because I was like, do I go into marketing? Or do I be an actor? But it's like, no, you can be an actor and you could do other things too. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And And it sort of sounds like for you that you saw success when you weren't weighing acting as heavily in your life when you were young. Yes.
1: Yes. And so essentially, once she shifted my mindset, Or I guess once I shifted my mindset in general, like between the people I was surrounding myself with and then her helping me see that it was going to be that there was good in pursuing this career for the lifestyle that I wanted to live in the future. Because she's like, you know, when you book your TV shows now, you get residuals for that for pretty much the rest of your life. So then you will have the freedom that you're looking for in the future um for the work that you choose to do now whereas most other jobs don't give you that um especially in corporate and so as I was like well wait you're right this is good I should pursue this um yeah I don't know like uh, it just it clicked and then once I just realized that I can do it and and it made me feel good about being an actor and I wasn't desperate for it it was like no this is this is a gift like this is a blessing to be able to do what I love to do and there there is no pressure I'm going to be okay there's so many things I can do in this industry that I love to do there there's always there's abundance of of stuff you know that I'll, I'll be good and and so, then it has been <laughs> that way
2: so after you had these sessions with her with your mentor what what did you do? What did you end up doing? Cuz did you end up fully full-time pursuing acting or did you pursue other things as well as acting?
1: I actually pursued a couple other things that kind of could tie back in to acting. So, um I you know, I I started focusing on different parts of my career in in essence, so it was like I I got a little bit more into voiceover acting. And then I also signed with a fitness model agency where I was doing like, I, I got to do one of those uh, beach body series, you know, where you, you work out with like, you know, the instructor. Yeah. It was called 645. And it was cool. I was like, this is three months of work where I'm getting paid to work out. <laughs> you know, like, I'm like, this is freaking amazing. Um <laughs> But, you know, all those people are also within entertainment. And so it was like kind of keeping me in the world. I, I started a philanthropic project called Pass the Tag. And it was basically like a bracelet company um, meant to create a ripple effect of kindness. Because people, I used to wear a whole bunch of bracelets all the time. And people would always ask me about them. And then I would just give one to them from my wrist. And they always just thought that was like, so special and so kind. And I was like, wow, that's such a small, easy act of kindness that probably like made their day just slightly happier. And if you can do that, I feel like they might do something nice for somebody else, even if it meant opening the door for somebody because they had a happy experience, they will pass on a happy experience. Um so I kind of I created this whole philanthropic project just to kind of create this momentum of kindness. And that was a project that then you know, uh, took my energy in a different way, but I give out those tag bracelets at the end of every show that I do. or and you know, any project that I'm on with a lot with a lot of people for a long time, those end up becoming like my wrap gifts for them. Mm-hmm. And so it all kind of you know ties back in. But I think having a whole bunch of different passions that can inspire me and and keep me excited about working. I just do also like to feel like I am working, you know, like in whatever regard it may be. I'm a huge fan of people, especially who are entering entertainment, the entertainment industry, of finding side hustles that they like that don't take up too much time, but allow them still the freedom to make their own schedule and go on those auditions and go to classes. Because I know a lot of people move, especially to L.A., and they're like, well, I need money. Like, I I can't not do something. And I'm like, there's so many side gigs yeah. that you can do that you can still focus mainly on your career and then just do these little side things so that you can survive or you can feel like you're, you know, bringing in income because that abundance, I feel like helps create more abundance, you know, as yeah. you make money, more money
2: comes. I feel like we're very similar,
0: Nikki, because I'm also in grad school right now. And I feel like we both kind of approach the industry with a type A mindset, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is like, you know, (laughs) people always say to me, like, it's a creative career. Like, how do you treat it so much like a business? But I agree with you that it kind of gives me sanity thinking about it like a business. Um, And I've had funny experiences on set when people have approached me about thinking it like a business because, you know, some actors like Bumpuck. bump up against that because they're so like in the um you know the building and the world of the character but i do think there's a way to merge the two um i'm curious for you with booking such major projects like lovely bones and bring it on and stick it i know so many actors right now are listening to this podcast being like how did she do that right (laughs) so i want to hear a little bit and i know this is kind of like a tough question like one what the audition processes were like for those what it felt okay. like booking those and how for you you merge the creative side with considering it like a business
1: okay let me start with the first part of the question <laughs> so in terms of how the auditions went with um, those big big name projects they were pretty normal for the most part in terms of you get an audition from your agent you know you do the pre read you get callbacks you meet the producers and then because those were all movies they, they did do, uh, and they were like for good supporting roles, at least, you know, in the films, um, they did have us do chemistry reads with other people. I didn't actually have to do a chemistry read for bring it on, but I did do one for stick it and for the lovely bones. It was actually really really interesting. I'm actually still friends with some of my friends, <laughs> I was with some of the people that I chemistry read with back in the day with Stick It. But we also had to do physical auditions for Stick It and for Bring It On because that was gymnastics and it was cheerleading. So they had us do like a, a whole routine and then like go on the apparatuses and do show them like different skills that we could do. Um, And then for the cheer one, we did kind of like a dance routine that you had to learn and then uh, perform in front of everybody. But for the Lovely Bones, interestingly, because they casted all over the world, it was Peter Jackson was the um, was the director. And so he, you know, he obviously went to New Zealand to look, he went to England to look, he went to Hong Kong to look, he went to California, to America to look and because not all the actors were going to be in the same place at the same time he recorded us in a way that made us look like we would be able to he like essentially did the zoom before the zoom was a thing well. you know he had us speaking like looking off to the side so that it looked like we were looking at each other when he split screened us and put us next to each oh, other oh
0: so wow
1: you could see a chemistry what it could potentially look like but yeah those were kind of the audition processes uh it was some of them you know quicker than others like obviously the bring it on one like I just did I I think yeah I think I did the callback and then from there I basically booked the job um and then just showed up on set and was like okay so hi everybody you know everyone else but Stick It, I feel like, took a, quite a while as well of, like, trying out different people, reading with different people, with the lovely bones. It was also just at the callback because he did all the editing and did all the matchmaking. So I, I didn't really have to do that much besides go to the audition. But, yeah, it was, it was, you know, sometimes I just feel like, sometimes I just feel like you're just right for it or mm-hmm. you're not, you know? and. One story that I tell a lot of newcomers or or like I I coach on the side, like I coach people who want to get into the entertainment industry. And I tell them this story, especially because I do remember when I was putting so much pressure on myself, especially with the self tapes and everything like that, because I think it helps put into perspective what it could potentially be like on the other side of Mm -hmm. the casting room. I was sitting, I was doing a show And I was sitting next to the showrunner at lunch, and he was looking at his iPad um, because he was sent the callbacks for basically the producer session for people that were going to guest star on our show in the following episodes. And he had like pulled up this video and he watched it for like three seconds and then swiped on it. And the guy didn't even start talking. And mind you, these are callbacks. These are, the the casting director thought it was good enough for him, for them to pass it through to the showrunner. And the showrunner didn't even wait for the guy to say a word. And I was like, why didn't you, uh, what? Like, I was like, what? You didn't watch it. And he was like, yeah, it just wasn't the vibe. And I was like, do you know how many hours I spend on my self-tapes or I, you know, I used to spend on my self-tapes trying to get every single word perfectly and making sure that it was exactly the way that it was. And then I realized sometimes it's just a vibe and that's yeah. what it was. Like he, it just wasn't how he envisioned this role to be. And it didn't even matter. Cause obviously that guy was a good actor. He made it to callbacks. The casting director thought he was a good actor that he, that he was put in front of the showrunner and the showrunner It's not that he wasn't a good actor. It was that he wasn't the vibe. And so I think knowing that and recognizing that sometimes that's how things get cast, it takes off a lot of pressure. It's like, hey, just go have fun. Do the best version of you in that character. Don't you know, because that's going to be the best vibe. If you are trying to be like somebody else, they're probably going to do that vibe better than you because you're trying to be like them. You know, so you be no. your vibe, and it might work, it might not work, but sometimes it just is right, you know, and then kind of what I like to say in this kind of parlays into the second part of your yeah. question, in terms of how I've addressed the industry, and you know now I've almost been in it for two decades is I always say like if you keep if you keep working at your craft and you keep practicing and you keep keep at it in this business, if you keep at it in this business, you are either going to get good enough, or you are going to make the network that will help you get there. And I have noticed, you know, that in time, a lot of my jobs have come through referral, or have come through somebody that I met, or like going to one of my friends' premieres, and then them meeting you know or, or like even like the commercials I book sometimes I'm like how did I book this commercial And they're like I loved you and stick it you know I'm like so it didn't even matter that I yeah. was got that good for this role you know it was just that you wanted to work with me because you saw me in something you liked when you were a teenager or you know uh-huh. whatever it could be but I think that if you yeah you, you're either going to get the job because you are right for the job and you are prepared for those opportunities, or you potentially have met people that have said good things about you in the past. That's another thing, right, is, is making sure that you're somebody that people like to work with. Because at the end of the day, we are working quite a bit of hours together from a day shoot that could be 12 to 16 hours, you know, to month-long projects. And so much of that is like, "Who do you want to be with, especially as so many things are moving to streaming, and so many independent companies, production companies are able to create their projects, they get to pick you know um who they want. It's not necessarily you know there's just so much there is more work, I do think, and so being somebody that they happen to know or happen to think of is definitely um a benefit that can that can get you a lot of jobs in this in this industry and then to address the question slightly a bit more thinking of it as a business versus art i mean for me yeah my brain is very a-type i do like things to be very organized i like to know how it's gonna function i like to know the logistics of of a lot of things but once you set it then it's good and you feel safe so you can be free mm-hmm. and that's the whole point of being an A type person is you you put plans in place so that you can feel good about what you when you get there you know and then you can just enjoy it i do feel like it's it's kind of a lifestyle more so than a job, you know, it's something that I think if you choose to do it, to be successful at it, it has to be something that you kind of always want to be doing. You you know, if you look at it as like, oh God, I got it. I got these three auditions I have to do, you know, I'm like, you're lucky you have those three auditions you get, yeah, to play. Yeah. you get to be a nurse then you get to be a soccer player then you In get this to be- economy
2: <laughs>
1: right. you know like and it's fun that i think yeah like, doing auditions are fun and when it gets to the point that it, it becomes too much like work you're not gonna have the right vibe so i almost think don't do it you know like don't don't go into it when your head is in that space of like, I need to do work and I need to get it done because it's not about getting it done at that time. It's about playing at that time. So you have to set up your life so that, especially as an as a artist, yes, when you're not given any structure, you need to set, or I need to set for myself, I need no. to set up my life in a structured way to then give me the freedom to have the time and energy to have fun.
2: Yeah. What was your experience like being on set for Bring It On and Lovely Bones and Stick It? They were all very
1: different, all super awesome. I mean, stick it was my my first uh job, and I happened to be the only kid or like the only not 18 person. (laughs) Um, and so I was actually in a junior in high school. So I still had to go to school, like, like during the work day, if as a kid actor, you have to do school for like four hours or something for each work day. And so I'd be like doing AP chem with this set teacher, you know, and then go back and like shoot my scenes for the 10 hours that I was allowed to work. And like, luckily, like everybody was so sweet and so nice. To me but it, it was different because i was the only kid you know yeah. like to have that experience that i remember they would all get to like go out at night and they would go do stuff i don't know but my, my mom was with me on set every single day you know and then i'd go home because my mom would drive me home <laughs> you know that, that's what it was like but i loved having my my family my parents there for that experience especially it being like my first one, I, it helped me feel very safe and supported. But funny enough, I am still very close to my stunt double from that movie, as well mm-hmm. as like the girl who played my best friend, Maddie Curley. But my stunt double happens to be married to my husband's best friend. So what? yeah, I know. Like, I know. And and like, it was just super random. But then I get to see her all the time. So it's really cool um just like a full circle you know
2: yeah. wait did you make that introduction or was that a very random coincidence no
1: I met my husband on hinge and uh he was telling me that he goes to this gym uh in the south bay and I was like oh like a crossfit gym and I was like oh I have friends they own a crossfit gym in the south bay and then we we're like wait is that and he's like, oh, it's my friend Duke. And I was like, you mean like the one that's married to Tasha, my stud double? <laughs> you <know? laughs> and, you know, funny enough, because when we all reconnected, like all together, Duke and Tasha were like, I don't know if we want this Eli guy dating our little Nikki because they knew me at 16, you know? Yeah. And like, even if Tasha, I don't know, maybe she was like in her, like early 20, like she's probably 23, but 23 to 16 is very different, you know, yeah. than being like 40 and 32 or whatever, you know, like, yeah. um, and so, yeah, it was just kind of a funny reconnection. But I think it it's nice because I was able like it helped me know that he was going to be a good person when I first started dating him because I knew if he was good friends with people that I knew and trusted and loved me you know that that if they thought he was actually going to be good for me then uh he probably was going to be a good guy you know
0: did I see on Instagram that something else has been happening
1: at home (laughs) yes um we are pregnant oh my God. No. I actually went to camp pregnant and that was did you know? I did, yes. Oh you knew. Okay. Okay. <laughs> did anyone else know? Yeah, they did. Oh, they all I knew. Okay. I told them that I was like, are you sure you want to bring me? Like, I'm I'm pregnant. Like I don't know if it's gonna be that fun, you know, that fun. Like, yeah. It's gonna be great. We'd love to have you. I think you know, I think it'd be still good great for you and your career. I'm like, I don't know if I'm gonna be working too much. <laughs> Funny enough. Yeah. I ended up having to leave (laughs) early so that I could go shoot the TV series in Kentucky. And so they're like, see, you're working, you're fine. But yeah, it was interesting finding outfits for Can because I had heard, you know, you have to like dress up and look nice. And at that point I was like, I barely fit in my pants. Like, I don't know what I'm going to wear. And so I had hired a stylist and she had found all these like beautiful dresses and things for me to wear that, complimented my body at the time <laughs> so how far along oh, are you now
2: i am a little over
1: six months
2: <gasps> that's so exciting do you know yeah, if it's a boy or like, girl have you done it? it
1: was starting to pop during <laughs> like during the trip and now it's like real pop. i
2: never yeah i, I didn't notice anything yeah when we were on the red carpet i had no idea yeah i had noticed when you guys were doing the live i was watching and i was like I, yeah there was yeah it like, was
1: relatively it was so hideable at the time sure. i could like still suck my stomach back in now it's out and it's staying out
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know what's crazy i think i know someone who also filmed i feel like it might have been the same tv series that you filmed, but oh, off off air man and matthews yes oh wow that's crazy <laughs>
1: oh yeah yeah no she was on the show with me and oh, she is lovely
2: She's just the best. I met her in my acting class. She's um, I'm not in LA anymore, but she was in my old acting class and she she had to leave um because she was filming. Ah. yeah. Yeah.
1: Oh, it was it was that was such a wonderful experience to go to. I mean, the time shift was weird to go from France to Kentucky, then back home. Then I flew out the following week to Oklahoma to shoot a commercial. And I was just like, my and then back home, and I was like, oh, I don't know. My body has no idea what time zone it's in right now.
2: And especially being pregnant on top of that, I can't imagine it was any easier.
1: Yeah. I mean, thank goodness I was past the first trimester because I was a lot more tired during that. Mm. But this was the most exciting second trimester <laughs> you could potentially have, you know. <laughs> Just like, were work. you
0: pregnant on the shows or the commercial, or were you hiding them? Like, hiding the- them. okay, hiding
1: them. yeah. Okay. Actually, during the show, I ended up having to have like a second fitting because what I originally like, what were my costumes or my outfits? They they were like not starting to like. They, she was like, "I don't think you're gonna fit this by the time we get mm-hmm. to the episode." Because we shot we shot all eight episodes, and I was like, "Yeah."
2: <laughs> so and when you did the casting for um, the show, was it before the strike or during the strikes? it uh it was before yeah i okay. you
1: well know, actually for this tv show i didn't have to audition they just direct booked me
2: and oh that, awesome
1: for the commercial i booked it before i was in camp like it was i booked it a long time ago and they were like i i think i auditioned in like april or early may like it was so early on mm-hmm. and they're like can you shoot in early june and i was like unfortunately i'm doing this show and then I was like, yep, eh, lost a job because you know, that's just how it works. And they were like, Well, we actually can also shoot these dates, which were right after the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, All right, let's do it. <laughs> you know? So it wow. worked. My belly at the time, like when I auditioned, I was wearing my normal clothes. And then by the time I like shot, I could not wear those same clothes. So
2: <laughs> Were you pregnant when you did the audition?
1: I must yeah I must have been yeah. oh you just
2: didn't know if you didn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow and is and this your
0: first kid yeah yes
2: <gasps> that's so exciting
0: yeah so it seems that things have still been busy for you even with the strikes yeah
1: I mean who knows now because those were all jobs that kind of happened pretty early on or like I didn't have to audition for them you know I I don't know what it's going to be like. Cause I finished all the jobs now that I had already on like slated. And then also my stomach is, is bulging,
2: <laughs> So that's just the
1: whole own thing, regardless of the strike or not, you know, I'm like, well, I, I had to tell all my agents. Like, I don't think I can audition for regular roles anymore. Like I, it's And it's hard because pregnant roles like you to be very pregnant and I'm not mm. very pregnant. Some people are like, you we know you so we know you're pregnant but like if you're not wearing something that makes you look extra pregnant you can easily still just look like you ate a big burrito Mm. you know so it's not quite I'm like in a weird stage at the moment so you know I plan to just focus on on my other things like uh, do my voiceovers social media type stuff make cool content around what it's like in this stage of my life. And yeah, I think it'll be fun. I'm not
0: worried. I think it's, it's sort of fun. a great time to have a baby, actually. Like when the industry yeah. is kind of on this like break period.
1: Yeah, I, I think we got really lucky. And then I, I'm due in October, early October. And so I'm like, people will likely start to calm down, especially over the holidays, um, which will give me time with my family, you know, to just kind of have that. And and I have to recognize, too, like, I am a person that has always loved to always be working, but it's okay to take the breaks. It's okay to, like, this is something that I've wanted my entire life to be a, a mother, you know, and I, I shouldn't be rushing through it, and I shouldn't be trying to do something else. Like, this is such a special experience, and that will inform my acting, you know, along the way, like, as I am able to play those roles and mature into stuff like that. Like, you know, I remember when back in the day when auditions were in person a little bit more and you had to be in LA and I always felt bad to leave, like to go on vacation. And there was just some point that I was like, you need to live your life. That's how you're gonna become a better actor and just a more full person is by experiencing the world. And there's gotta be some, some type of balance. You can't always be worried that you're not, waiting for the opportunities or, you know, like there for the opportunities, things will come and it will be okay, you know, and, and it's okay to indulge and, and focus on the beautiful opportunities that you currently have in your life industry or not. Yeah. 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 Same thing with school, right? Like, so yeah. many people are like, do I go to college or do I not go to college? Yeah. Like, well, what do you want? you know, first of all, and also, do you have to choose? Because people were telling me like, oh, you shouldn't go to college. Like you already have your foot in the door. You just made, you know, a big Disney film, like you don't need to go to college. But I really wanted to go to college. I wanted to know what it felt like to live in the dorms and to be on my own. And crazy enough, like I tried to balance it that first year. I didn't work. I, I booked a job right before I started UCLA. Then even though I was trying to audition while balancing school, I think my head was just too all over the place. And I didn't book anything until right after I I finished my first year. Then I worked that summer. And then I like found, I I ended up working throughout the years, like as I was doing school and, and it balanced out a little bit more. But I, I do think it was just honestly in my heart and in my soul, so important to me to experience living in the dorms for that first year and experiencing college mm-hmm. that even though I tried to balance it, it didn't even work. So it was like, just do what you want to do, you know, and live those experiences. It's okay. The industry will be here. And that's what I noticed even when I told my reps, because I was a little nervous telling them like, uh, you know, I'm going to knock. I'm not going to be able to work like, I don't think I can do these auditions that are shooting in October, you know. Um, and they're like, hey, the industry will always be here. Like you enjoy being pregnant. This is such a special gift. And I'm like, thank you for being such lovely reps that made me feel so good about about saying that because I feel like there are some you know, that probably be like, Oh, we got to drop you like you're not working, you're not helping us. But I have ones that, you know, have been there for my life. I mean, my manager has been with me since I've been in college. And he's he's like been with me through so many life events and has always been very supportive of it. Like, yeah, you do that. You do what you want to do. It'll be okay. You know?
0: I'm curious because you said that you are a type A person. Going through this like change with your pregnancy and then also still being on set a bunch, do you have a morning routine or healthy habits that you feel like I need to do this to be the best version of myself?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, something that I use all the time that is very helpful for me. Well, I do meditate in the morning. I think that's a great way to start the day, uh, just in a positive, you know, focus, focusing my intention on how I want my day to mm-hmm. go and be. But I use a passion planner.
2: Mm. Wait,
1: I'll, I'll get it for you. <laughs>
2: oh, oh cool. pretty!
1: It's a passion planner. Um, they have a lot of different covers, but oh, it's very hard to show you. Okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> basically, it's just like um, I I like to call it like a manifesting goals planner. Essentially, like it's not just like you write down what you need to do, but every month you kind of reflect back on like how how did the last month go what am i look like what do i want to do for this coming month what do i want to focus on and and everything is kind of broken down into you being intentional about your life and where you're going and making sure that you're creating actionable steps to get yourself there and then holding yourself accountable for for those steps i think that's very helpful for anybody in a especially in a in a lifestyle that is very open ended, and you get to create it for yourself, I, I think that creates a lot of structure for me. Is to be able to be like, okay, this is this month's focus. Here's all the steps that I think it'll take to make this thing happen, and here's all the due dates for me doing these steps. Like by this time, I'm gonna have this step one done, and by this time, I'm gonna have step two done. And and then you look back and you see like, did I do it? You know, how did I do? Uh, Why didn't I do it? It, How can I make it better this coming month? Or is that a goal that still is meaningful to me? Do I want to switch my focus to something else? Mm, Uh, So it's just like setting some good intentions. Um, I think that that's very helpful. In terms of productivity and work, uh, my husband made this setup at my house so that I basically have a walking treadmill desk And I don't know if you know what that is like, but basically (sighs) it allows you to walk while you work. And for me, it is just so much more productive because I don't really like to sit and do pretty much anything. But to be able to slightly be moving, you don't have to walk fast. You don't have to run. Like people are like, how do you do that at the same time? I'm like, I'm not really walking that fast. I'm just like kind of moving. But because I'm not stagnant, I can focus like actually my brain focuses so much better um, on the task at hand, because when I sit, then I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll check my phone. Oh, like, what's this? Oh, like, I literally, my brain just goes all over the place. But that little bit of physical
2: movement actually helps my brain focus. Um, That's so awesome. I, I love that. I feel like you're still it's a good way to still get some movement in, an activity in and activity. And then that does stimulate you. Um, oh, I, I do actually want to try those.
1: Yeah, I've convinced so many friends to create treadmill desk setups. And yeah, if like,
2: yeah, I don't get 20,000
1: steps in in the day. I don't feel like it was a day, you know, <laughs> like they're walking a good five miles just by working. And it just I just feel so much better. It raises your natural energy level in general yeah. because, yeah, you're just, you know, you're keeping yeah. up with that.
2: Lauren, I think this is a perfect opportunity and moment to get into the DM of the week question. Yes, I completely
0: agree. So Nikki, our DM of the week asks, do you ever experience imposter syndrome? And how do you overcome it?
1: Yes. I mean, sometimes I, I can feel that way even within my own group of friends, because I just think they're so phenomenal. And I'm like, where are they my bread you
2: know like oh uh, or just
1: like i i like look, look at them and they've created like multi-million dollar companies or they you know they have like made their own films and one at like sundance or you know just like they've done such amazing things like they were, like have i done things like that and then usually how i overcome those types of feelings is recognize or you know like I'll be I'll be asked to like speak on panels or um to attend events as like the celebrity guest or whatever and I'll be like well I don't feel like I've done that many like really popular projects lately like why, you know like why are they asking so, me but then I I always try to remind myself that like what you attract to you is meant for you like you deserve that. You deserve to be there. Those people have chosen to be around you because there's something about you that it that is attractive to them. And so you must be bringing some sort of value to the group or to the situation. And maybe it just takes a little bit, like maybe you haven't done the same things that they've done, but your value is coming in a different way And you're providing something that they're not providing. That's why you're there, you know? Uh, Whether it be like in your friend group, like me being the one that connects everybody to, that that connected everyone together, that brought a whole bunch of really special and amazing and successful people that have achieved a lot, bringing them all together and saying, hey, I've curated essentially a group of really great people um, that you can learn from, (laughs) you know, and I may be, you know like maybe i don't know whatever it could be or even even your own perspective like coming from a chinese american background or you know like that is something that people have not experienced themselves so you're yeah. bringing that or whatever yeah. there's there always is something and then just to try to remember that you likely deserve it you know and and if you believe that you deserve it then everyone can believe because you were already there if you got the opportunity you were meant to be there it's just like auditions right some people are like why did I get this audition it's not like me at all like it's not in my wheelhouse and I'm like because that casting director believed that you could pull it off yeah so or they they just wanted to see you either way they they either wanted to give you an opportunity to be in front of that person but that that showrunner or they actually thought that you could pull off this job. Either way, do your best job, take the opportunity, make the most of it because you don't know what's going to come. Like there have been so many stories I've heard in the years of people that have gotten jobs in in such random ways that I'm like, yeah, you didn't know that that was going to be the case. Like for example, one of my one of my good friends, he was on a TV show and no he has like on two TV shows, those got cancelled. There was another pilot that was coming out, and he was and he was like, "I'm perfect for this role." His agents couldn't get him in the room. They would not audition him. Casting was like, no nope, don't see it. Don't see it. I don't think it's him." He still was doing commercial auditions and auditioned for a, a director for a commercial, and the director goes, "Hey, I think you would be good for this show that I'm doing. Can you like, can you audition for it? It was the show he was trying to get in on. Wow. He was meant to be in that room, you know, eventually. And, and it came in very random ways. Mm-hmm. And he could have thought, no, you know, like if that director was like, oh, I want you to audition. He was like, no, they told me I I shouldn't be here, you know, right but he was still given that opportunity and so I'm glad that he took it cuz he was meant to be there he booked the role and mm. it's just like
2: if you end up getting there you know like if the opportunity comes to you it was meant for you for sure i think everything happens for a reason and in this industry we just have to have a lot of patience and trust that you know like everything is have is happening the way it is and we, there's nothing that we can really manipulate except for our talent that will you know contribute to how everything else goes yeah but nikki thank you so much for coming on it's been such a pleasure talking to you and listening to your story i have to go watch bring it on again i was obsessed with that movie when i was a kid <laughs> but now i have to go watch it now that i know who you bring are Bring it on, right to the finish so ours okay. is the one that has like a little bit of latin flair to it I with- love that Okay, perfect. And can you please let the listeners know where to find you? Um, any like social media, website, all of that?
1: Yeah, so pretty much all my handles are at Nikki Suhu, N-I-K-K-I-S-O-O-H-O-O. That's also my website, com. And yeah, you can DM me. Like I'm pretty responsive on stuff like that. Uh, my, my email is just info.nikkysuhu at gmail.com. It's also on my Instagram, like my email.
0: So. Awesome. All right, everybody. Well, it's been another episode of Damsels
2: in the DMs. As always, please keep sending us your DMs of the week. Um, rate, review, and subscribe our podcast. We would really appreciate that. It's on all the podcast platforms, which is basically just Apple Podcasts and Spotify.
0: Right? Yes. Yeah yeah um well but there's i mean other people have like various podcasting platforms so wherever you listen to your podcast okay everybody well thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of damsels in the dms until next time it's going down in the dms bye dms dms yeah we see them yeah we read them dms
2: dms we don't need
1: them we just leave them
0: please yeah
2: going down in the DMs.
0: Bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.